this evening, we're going to detour and just kind of have an informal time together. Hope this will be uh, special for you. It's been a blessing to study and to be reminded of the different sections of Scripture that particularly focus our hearts on gratitude and on thankfulness. And so I want to draw our attention to one of those tonight in Psalm 92, and we'll get there in just a minute. Now, before we do that, uh, if you're on our prayer list, how many of you get prayer emails from us uh, or from the church? Okay, good. Uh, You received an email sometime this afternoon from uh, colabor.cl at graceofthevalley.org. That CL stands for Caroline. Carol sends out her prayer updates. And and I enjoyed the end. Carol, where are you? There you are. Uh, I know where you are. You're always on my left, right over there. It said, for Adam Bailey of Grace Church of the Valley. So Carol is emailing on my behalf. Uh, she could just sign it for me and then put CL. You know how they do that down at the caption. Um, this is a blessing to us, really, because we've been taking prayer requests on Sunday mornings in our adult Sunday school. We also take prayer requests individually in the small groups, uh, in our grace groups. And this gives us a way to continue to pray for those needs throughout the week. And so I want to do that even tonight. I want to come back to these same requests. I want to pray for the Hamill family. Ed Hamill um, was killed in a tragic accident uh, just over a week ago. And uh, we need to pray for his family, his wife, Diane, their kids and grandkids. Uh, He was a young man, correct, George? So he was young, right? Isn't that young? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, it's about 68 years old. That is young, actually. And it was the suddenness with which um, he was taken. So we're going to pray for the Hamill family, local family here. We're also going to pray for Humberto. Uh, do we have a last name, Daniel, for their family? Valavinos? Valavinos? Okay. The Valavinos family. Uh, Humberto works for Daniel. And their family there at Family Tree Farms. And his brother was driving a vehicle, had a uh, crash, and his mother was killed. His father's in the hospital, and there was also a person in the other car who was killed. So uh, Humberto's brother was taken to prison um, immediately uh, on vehicular manslaughter. Charges has since been released, but is still facing a uphill battle there. And then on top of that, the massive grief of that kind of an accident. So... We're going to pray for the Valavinos. That's who we're going to pray for. That's right. Um, we ought to have the freedom, if there's ever a prayer request where the name is just gone, and this one's written down with hooked on phonics spelling so I can get it, uh, but uh, we ought to have the freedom to just go ahead and give that name for whoever is praying. Uh, Valavinos, I'll get that. I also want to pray for uh, Lori Holt, I'm struggling just with some uh different medication right this isn't new this is just a different medication okay let's pray for Lori tonight my wife was so disappointed because she and Lori were supposed to be serving in the nursery tonight it's one of my wife's uh joys to spend an evening with Lori so uh we'll pray for Lori tonight and ask that God will continue to clear the situation up and then encourage her heart and uh, if you'd like to drop her a note she would appreciate that phone calls probably aren't the best idea or visits but Maybe a note, maybe some goodies, something to encourage her heart through this week might be an appropriate way to serve her, okay? And then uh, we also want to pray for Phil and Charlotte. We already mentioned that their reception is coming up, but they're traveling this week back here from Florida, so we'll pray for their safe arrival. And then last but certainly not least, we want to pray for Bob and Gertrude Wolford, 
And uh, many of you have been praying for them and calling and checking in on them, and I appreciate that very much. That's an encouragement to David and I. Uh, David was out this week past to visit with Bob, and uh, Bob could not stop talking about the encouragement he's received from you. So thank you for that and for the very real and intentional service of a need. Um, This is a tough time for them, and uh, we'll pray for them tonight and continue to love on them. Look forward to seeing them this week um, at their home. So I know Bob is up for visitors. Maybe if you called ahead, if you need information for them, you can call us at the office or email. We'll give that to you. Same with Lori. If you want to send her a note, we have that address at the office as well. Okay, so let's pray for these. Are there others that are missing from this that I can add? Maybe that weren't mentioned this morning. Anything that's pressing on your hearts? Okay, let me pray for these and then we'll begin our time. Father, it is our distinct privilege as those who are in Christ and in Christ alone to come into your presence and to come, as the scriptures speak, boldly into your throne room. We do that not unknowingly. We come boldly and yet we come confessing that you are the sovereign king. You are our creator. You are our sustainer. You are alone, um, the almighty God, the all-wise one, the all-knowing one, the ever-present one, the all-powerful one. And so we come boldly, but we come knowingly as well. And we are humbled at the opportunity to come not as your subjects, not as the objects of your wrath, but as your children. As the objects of your affection and your grace. We do not deserve to be speaking directly to you this evening, and yet we do because of our Savior and your Son, who has made way for us. He's our mediator, and we glory in that, even as we bring these other believers, these other situations before you and ask for your intervention, for your work to be accomplished, for your grace to be evident, for your spirit to be moving in these situations. We pray for the Hamill family. And for the Valvinos family, uh, we pray that both of those tragic situations would be cause for you to be put on display in your glory, that you would be recognized as good and wise, even in the tragedy of your plan for these families. The suddenness of the loss of life. And we pray as particular for Humberto's family with uh, his brother, who's going to face a long, a long and reoccurring nightmare from this situation and from this accident and pray that your grace would break through that the gospel would be championed that those who are yours in these situations would boldly proclaim their confidence and live their confidence in you that they would put on display the truth that you are enough you are sufficient for joy for comfort for peace for satisfaction and contentment And Father, we cannot fully comprehend the pain and the grief that they are suffering right now. And so we ask that you would, as the sympathetic one, as the sympathetic high priest who's at your right hand, intercedes for them. We pray that you would supply the grace necessary. We pray as well for Lori. And we desire for her to come to a quick recovery uh, physically. What a long battle this has already been with. The future continuing to be a battle with pain and suffering. And we thank you for her faithful testimony of dependence upon you, 
of trust in you and your plan, of confidence in her Savior and your Son. And so we ask this evening that you would encourage her even tonight as she has opportunity to to think that she might be able to meditate on who you are and on your care and watch over this situation, on your intimate knowledge of the situation and on the sufficiency of your grace, even as you promised Paul with his thorn in the flesh. So we pray for Lori and we love her and ask that you would continue to watch over her. We pray as well for Bob and Gertrude as um, they continue this recovery process as Bob deals with this artificial knee and the battle that it is to even get around. Um, pray that you would continue to give them uh, an, an ever aware sense of your presence and your blessing. Uh, thank you for Bob's spirit, for his zeal for you, his encouragement to all of us to be faithful to you. Um, thank you for he and Gertrude's confidence in you through this time, their contentment and peace in the middle of a trial. And we pray that your word would continue to sustain them and that we as your people would come alongside and be a part of how you bring glory to yourself through this trial. And finally, we pray for Phil and Sharla. Uh, we thank you for the testimony of Sharla here in our church family. Thank you for the Bartels and the opportunity to know about the work in Kyrgyzstan that Sharla has been a part of, taking the gospel to a people group that doesn't even have the scriptures. Uh, thank you for supplying a husband for her. And the opportunity to celebrate that, we pray that you give them uh, a safe travel here so that we can rejoice with them and uh, give you glory for what you've accomplished already in their lives together. Father, we do pray these things boldly. We come before you boldly, and yet we confess here and now before you together that we desire for your will to be done, and we confess that your will is best. And so whatever your plans are for us and for these situations, we will rest in your wisdom and we will continue to renew our minds with the truth that you will withhold no good thing from those who love you. And so we rest in that and we ask that you would help all who are involved in these various situations to rest in that as well. We pray these things in faith, in the name of Christ. Amen. Okay, if you haven't received that email, maybe you saw somebody who raised their hand, you can tap them afterward and get that forward to you if you get emails. If you don't get emails, uh, let us know and we'll print those off and get those to you. Or if someone else gets your emails for you and prints those off, we'll get their email address and uh, work with them. Okay? All right. Uh, I have a couple of things that I want to do. I want to study. I want to walk through uh, Psalm 92. And I want to do that with you, and I want to make sure that that's priority because we're really here to hear from God. But I also would love for the opportunity to hear from you and to have you testify of the gratefulness that you enjoyed through this week as you focused your attention on gratitude. Or maybe just simple things that you have been newly aware of that you are grateful for in your lives. And so we're going to do that after we come through Psalm 92. And that is presuming that we're going to get through Psalm 92 in such a timely fashion that we're going to have time to talk about our gratitude towards God. And in particular, as this psalm will draw our attention to, I want us to think in gratitude and think in thanksgiving for spiritual blessings, for our theological blessings. There is always opportunity to thank God for the consistencies of our life, our relationships humanly, our blessings, um, 
our resources that God has entrusted to us. And yet, sometimes I believe one of the most lacking aspects of gratitude in my own heart is the theological gratitude. That is, gratitude that is based on spiritual truths that I hold as a follower of Christ and that I hold with you and I share with you as a part of the church. And so that's what I desire to do. And we're going to do that in just a minute. But before we do that, we're going to come and give our attention first to a word from our Lord in Psalm 92. Psalm 92 is a psalm and it is also a song for the Sabbath. This is for the Old Testament Sabbath, glorying in the opportunity to cease from the labors that were ongoing and to focus their attention on God himself in worship. And so David here writes, we believe, Psalm 92, and he gives us this song for the Sabbath. Let's read this again together and take note of what we find here. Um, This is poetry. Probably your Bible has divided this into stanzas. Everybody's Bible helped them with the poetry to divide this for you. That's an attempt by those who translated to um, give you the Hebrew uh, poetry in its sections. And so we'll look at that tonight and hopefully gain some insight because of that as we study this psalm. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, the psalmist says, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and harp, to the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. All the works of your hands I sing for joy. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. How great are your works, O Lord. Your thoughts are very deep. And then this uh, very plain reading from the ESV, the stupid man cannot know, the fool cannot understand this, that though the wicked sprout like grass and all evil evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. But you, O Lord, are on high forever. For behold, your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. All evildoers shall be scattered. But you have exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. You have poured over me fresh oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailants. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of Yahweh. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. This psalm of praise and thanksgiving is one that draws our attention to really, even in my own reading, draws my attention to the reality of the lack of thanksgiving in my life. And I wanted to read a devotional that has been part of my meditation on gratitude. This is a devotional book that I could highly commend to you. It's called A Godward Life by John Piper. There's two of these, Godward Life 1 and 2. And uh, these are a blessing to you. They don't have a date at the top of the page which is always a blessing because once you get behind in reading it, it's always frustrating to read the one from yesterday, today, and that it's plaguing you at the top of the page. This doesn't have it. It just leads you through a number of uh, meditations that will help you think deeply about the truth of Scripture. Okay, He's speaking here about the downfall of our society, about the corruption of our culture, and he brings it back to gratitude. And in Paul's words in Ephesians 5, 4, Piper says, Paul says, let there be no obscenity, foolish talk or coarse joking, but rather thanksgiving. 
So it seems that Thanksgiving is somehow the opposite of ugliness and violence. So the corruption of our society is contrasted in Ephesians 5 verse 4 with gratitude on the part of the believers. He goes on to say the reason that it is that it is so is that the feeling of gratitude like faith in God's promises is a humble feeling, not a proud one. It is other exalting, not self exalting. It calls attention to our need and the goodwill of another. It is glad hearted, not angry or bitter. The key to unlocking a heart of gratitude and overcoming bitterness, ugliness, disrespect and violence is a strong sense of dependence on God, the creator, sustainer, provider and hope giver. If we do not believe that we are deeply dependent on God for all we have or hope to have, then the very spring of gratitude and faith runs dry. Right? Remembering our dependence on past mercies kindles gratitude. Pondering the promises of tomorrow's mercies kindles faith. Gratitude is past-oriented dependence. Faith is future-oriented dependence. Both forms of dependence are humble, self-forgetting, and God-exalting. There is one reason that they are opposite of mean-spirited. This is one reason why they are the opposite of mean-spiritedness and violence. The rise of violence, sacrilege, ugliness, insubordination is a God issue. The basic issue is a failure to feel dependence on God with gratitude toward the past and faith towards the future. When the high springs of gratitude and faith toward God dry up at the top of the mountain, soon all the pools of happy thankfulness and courage begin to dry up further down. When gratitude and faith go, the sovereignty of self condones more and more corruption for its pleasure. Did you catch that? That last paragraph is a is a great word picture for us. When the high springs of gratitude, I was thinking of um, George's cattle ranch out on the West Coast where he has high springs that he has worked very hard to get the water to come down the hill so that he can actually use that water. When the high spring dries up and the high spring is gratitude and faith, soon all the pools of happy thankfulness and courage begin to dry up further down. When gratitude and faith go, the sovereignty of self condones more and more corruption for its pleasure. In other words, we begin to write off and say we have the right to pursue our own ends. And I don't know about you, but there are times when if somebody asks me and put a microphone in my face and said, what are you grateful for today spiritually? Boom. That if I had anything to offer, it would still be empty on the inside. I might have an answer because I have been around the church a long time. I've been around the gospel a long time. I might be able to come up with something in the moment and share something that I should be grateful for. But to deeply sense and feel gratitude as Psalm 92 communicates to us flows from our awareness of who God is and what he's accomplished in in us and what he is accomplishing through us. And I think desperately I'm in need if if you're not, I am in need of a fresh view of God's sovereign grace so that I might be humbled again and come back to the very testimony of Psalm 92, a heart of gratitude a sense and a deep sense of gratefulness in dependence upon God for what he has accomplished and faith looking forward to what he must accomplish in my life because I cannot do it myself. So gratitude is directly connected to our selfishness in the negative or our selflessness in the positive. As aware as we are of who God is, that will directly correlate to how 
able we are to give gratitude and how deeply we can sense our appreciation for God's grace. So that's what we bring then to Psalm 92. And I just want to walk through this. This is a little bit different. And, and studying Hebrew poetry must be a little bit different in its study. Uh, we don't study all scripture the same way. Uh, we don't come to every single section of scripture and deal with it in the same detail or the same technique. We understand all of it in its beauty and glory. Obviously, the underlying truths about scripture are always the same. And yet Hebrew poetry brings us to stanzas that really are set apart. The outline really comes from the poetry. Uh, we don't have to develop anything. And so I just want to walk through this with you, maybe give you some ideas that you could jot in the margin of your Bible to come back to Psalm 92 and to meditate upon these truths, allow the word of God to fill your mind with truth and renew your mind so that you can fight against the selfishness that would rob you of gratitude. The psalmist says here at the beginning, he outlines for us in verses 1 through 4, he outlines for us his expression of gratitude. All right, There's just two sections, really, to this whole psalm. We have the expressions of gratitude, and then we have the explanations for gratitude. And that's really it. I mean, that's all he has for us in Psalm 92. We have an explanation uh, from the second half, and it is preceded by the expression of thanks from the psalmist. He says in verse 1, down through verse 4, It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High, to declare your steadfast love in the morning and your faithfulness by night, to the music of the lute and harp, to the melody of the lyre, for you, O Lord, have made me glad by your works at the works of your hands. I sing for joy. Now, a couple things to notice here at the front end of this psalm and in this call and cause for thanks. Are the very qualities that draw the psalmist's heart towards gratitude. Verse one is simply a declaration that it is a good thing to give thanks. It is good for you spiritually to be grateful and to express that gratitude. It is good for those around you to be encouraged by your gratitude towards Yahweh God. That is the Lord in all caps. That's the Old Testament name of God. The most high one. But notice in verse 2 the very attributes that cause and bring this call to thanksgiving to life. In verse 2 we see the psalmist point us towards two traits. The first one is God's steadfast love. And the second one is his faithfulness. Now, this is a psalm for the Sabbath. Therefore, they would have a morning worship time and an evening worship time where they would focus corporately in praise towards God. In that Sabbath celebration and worship, these would be the themes of gratitude. Steadfast love, that is God's covenant love. That's his unwavering, gracious love towards those who are undeserving steadfast, immovable love. It is his hesed, is the Hebrew word. It's simply his covenant love for his people. It is what you and I enjoy in Christ in the new covenant. It's what the Israelites enjoyed in the old covenant. It is God's unfading affection for his own. And the second part of verse 2 declares his faithfulness by night. These are two qualities of God's character that cause us to be overwhelmed with gratitude. If you'll give yourself, and if I will give myself, to careful thinking and study on God's love, His steadfast covenant love to me as one who is in Christ, and His faithfulness, that is, His consistent, 
keeping of his word. He's never failed. Do you realize that God has never failed to come through on his word? He has always, always fulfilled his promises. Always. When we grumble and complain, if we could decode that message, it would be, I don't think God is faithful enough to accomplish what he promised in this situation. My heart is overwhelmed with some sense of frustration because I can't accomplish what I think should be accomplished and I don't really believe that God can either. Gratitude is fed. Those pools, those springs are fed by an awareness of and a meditation upon God's covenant love for his people and his faithfulness to his word. Okay? This is the front end of this psalm, and it really sets up all of what we'll read in the second part. He begins his explanation for his gratitude in verse 4, and he talks about Yahweh God making him glad by his work. The psalmist is aware of God's hand in his life, and it is his joy to see God at work around him. At the works of your hands, I sing for joy. Okay? Two things are are evident here. One is very obvious. The other one, maybe we want it not to be so obvious. One is that the joy of the psalmist in his gratefulness is based upon his awareness of God's work in his life situation. And this is very personal. The psalmist is actually aware of God's work in a very present tense in his life. That's one obvious reality. The other obvious reality is it leads him to singing. And singing is the natural response. It is the natural overflow of a heart that is aware of God's work and is grateful and overwhelmed with joy at seeing it. Now, I would propose to you tonight that I, I at least am a poor, I'm a poor viewer of God's work. When was the last time you just went through a day and you really gave your attention to seeing God's work in your day? I mean, to actually looking at how he, are, he, uh, he utilized his providence and his plan and orchestrated your day for his own glory. Some of you have been doing this for a long time. It's something that is quick on your lips. You are aware of God's presence and his present work with his own hand, which is obviously a very fancy word, anthropomorphism, which simply means God, the Father, does not have a hand. He is a spirit. And yet this simply means that he is intimately involved in the life of the psalmist and he is intimately involved in the life of all of his covenant people. These are the reasons for thanksgiving. These are really the sources for joy and for this gratitude. Now he goes on in verse 5 and he carries us through and we'll move quickly now through this. He moves now from a call and cause for thanks with that expression of gratitude to his explanation for thanks. And we see first of all, He is grateful for the relationship between Yahweh God and the wicked. This is not something that we normally sing about, but this is a song. And the psalmist is aware that God relates to the wicked in a very real sense, in a very unique way. And that is cause for gratitude. How great are your works, O Lord? Your thoughts are very deep. The stupid man cannot know. The fool cannot understand this. 
that though the wicked sprout like grass and all evildoers flourish, they are doomed to destruction forever. But you, Yahweh, you, O Yahweh, O covenant God, are on high forever. Okay, here's what the psalmist says. He says, you are mighty, you are great, and yet the fallen wickedness of this world, the people who are not yours, who reject you, who are your enemies, cannot understand a simple truth. Though they flourish, though they enjoy comfort, though they enjoy ease right now, today, they will end in doom and destruction, but you will remain on high. It is the foolishness of the gospel that God, who is all-powerful, would send His Son to die on a cross. Because humanity, apart from God's sovereign grace at work in them, cannot understand and comprehend this. What they see around them is the basis of their understanding of truth. What they see is the wicked flourishing and prospering. And what they don't know is that God is on His throne and He will remain there and the wicked will not remain and prosper. They will be put to doom and destruction. There are shows on television occasionally that catch my attention that basically show the possessions, the homes, the, the lifestyle of those who are most wealthy in a human sense, in a resource sense, in our world. And there is cause for uh, temptation when watching that. Because there is, with the psalmist in, I believe, Psalm 73, there is a heart cry that says, God, why are the wicked so well off? Why are they enjoying such an easy life? The fool, the stupid man, cannot understand that that will end in doom and destruction But God's covenant people, Yahweh God, will be on high forever. For behold, verse 9 goes on, Your enemies, O Lord, for behold, your enemies shall perish. All evildoers shall be scattered. So the psalmist calls us and gives us cause for thanks. He then outlines for us Yahweh's relationship to the wicked. And then he goes on and he, he follows right up on the heels of that with Yahweh's relationship to his own people. Notice in verse 10. But you have exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. You have poured over me fresh oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailants. In other words, I'm not involved in it. I stand off from a distance and I see you do this work. I am not a a subject or an object of your wrath. Verse 11. Now, verse 10 is one that's always been kind of a funny thing. And as a kid, I, I was... Rightly so, by my parents, encouraged to read scripture. And so I would read a psalm and a proverb usually in the morning before I would head off to school. Nothing caught me more by, uh, by surprise and with confusion than the phrase, but you have exalted my horn like that of the wild ox. I mean, that's not something we generally say today to each other. God is exalting my horn. Um, my horn is like that of the wild ox. I mean, what exactly is being said here? And you see this repeatedly through the psalms. Uh, just if you want to even make a mental note or jot this down in your Bible, the horn in the Psalms is a representation of power and strength. That is what is being talked about with a horn. And it's actually a physical horn, like off the head. And what the psalmist is saying here is that God has strengthened me, He has empowered me, and I am like a wild, raging ox that would use its horns to gore and to kill its prey or to kill its enemy. The psalmist is reveling in the reality that Yahweh God relates to his people by supplying strength 
by supplying power so that they can be victorious and walk in gratitude and enjoy. Now, just a side note, if you have an older English translation with you, you might have the famous unicorn verse in your Bible. Uh, If you do, that's okay. That's because the Greek translators who took the Hebrew and put it into Greek wrongly translated the word for horn and made it one horned, which then was translated by those who translated the old English versions. They saw one horned in the Greek. They were faithful to the Greek translation unicorn. You have strengthened my horn like the wild unicorn. And suddenly we have unicorns. And you thought this was just on the cartoons for your kids or grandkids. That's not so. It's really an ox. It's a wild ox. It's a beast of the field. And it is a a testimony of God strengthening and empowering his covenant people. He goes on in verse 10 with the second half of verse 10 to speak of pouring over me fresh oil. This is the old method of cleansing. God's people are empowered, they are strengthened, and they are cleaned and ready by the glory of the sovereign grace of Yahweh, their covenant God. The psalmist goes on to describe his relationship to Yahweh in verse 12. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. This is a picture we know well. They're healthy like trees that grow. They are planted in the house of Yahweh. They flourish in the courts of our God. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare. This is their purpose to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. I love what we find in verse 13. If Renee was here tonight, I would still tell you what I'm about to tell you. Okay. I tease my wife that she's the Jack Kevorkian of plant growers. Uh, once they come into our home, they basically have a slow death. Um, and it's an ongoing joke. Uh, anytime she sees a plant, I say, there's got to be a fake one that looks good enough for us to put in our house. Verse 13 is dealing with personal plants. Isn't that a, isn't that a neat word picture? Here's the reality of the psalmist. I'm not just a plant that is healthy and thriving and growing because I am declared righteous by God through faith, by his sovereign grace. But I am a plant that is within his house. I'm right there. I'm a part of his personal plant collection. I'm in his court. I am a part of his affection. I'm part of his attention on a daily basis. This is Yahweh's relationship to his covenant people. Yahweh relates to the wicked through doom and destruction and just penalty. He relates to his people with grace, with strength, with power, with fresh oil of cleansing, with affection and with nourishment like trees planted by the waters. God is at work in us if we're in Christ. We don't think often enough about it. Therefore, the thought of writing this psalm is completely foreign to us. And yet I believe that it is God's desire and he receives glory from this for us to be overwhelmed and to speak carefully And often of our gratitude for what he has done and what he is doing in us. Because his steadfast love is immovable and his faithfulness is constantly before our face. We see his work and it gives us gladness and joy. We understand that unlike the wicked, we have strength and power from him. And he sets his affection and his nurturing care upon us like trees and plants 
and we bear fruit even into our old age. The life of the covenant people of God, no matter their human age, is a life that is thriving. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. The outer man is falling apart. It's decaying day by day. And many of you would say, Amen. This old shell is falling apart. But the inner man is being renewed day by day. So there are two processes happening for the believer, for the covenant people of God. This old shell, this body with which or within which we live, uh, the true person, the inner man lives, is falling apart, it's decaying. And yet we are overwhelmed with this reality that we flourish and bear fruit even in our old age because the inner man is being renewed by God's grace. As we meditate on these kinds of realities, these kind of theological truths, these kind of spiritual truths that are the very core of what we understand because of Christ. We have cause for thanksgiving that is a deep well. It is a deep well. It is a high spring that feeds down into every channel of our life so that gratitude pours out of us. One illustration to close, my, my prayer ever since college has been that God would make me an overflowing cup and not a wrung out dishcloth. Powerful picture. I had a professor in my undergraduate studies in Bible who constantly reminded us that our desire ought not to be uh, wrung out. They were just twisting for any little drop of fluid, but that we ought to desire to be overflowing like a cup that like a waiter who forgets that he's pouring the water and it's just pouring onto your table. And you're looking at him like, is this ever going to stop? Because the water's going in, there's no more room. God's grace is being poured out on me. He's been poured out on me. It's being poured out on me and I'm recognizing it. I'm aware of it. I'm meditating upon it. And what pours back from me is gratitude. It's not something that has to be wrung out. It's not something that if the microphone gets stuck in my face, I have to think, oh man, I can't lie here. I need to be truthful. I'm thankful for my family. Thankful for my house. Um, the microphone comes and there's an overwhelming sense of gratitude that flows from the greatest spiritual truths. That God has rescued me from my sinful condition. And in Christ, he has declared me righteous. And in Christ, he is ongoingly conforming me to better bear Christ's image here on this earth. Until he's done. And I will stand before him with a new body. And I will stand before him with the removal of the presence of sin. And I will forever glory in his gracious work of salvation from eternity. That's the truth. And there's no way to think about that without being overwhelmed with gratitude. Okay? Psalm 92. Just a quick exposition and look at one of the most powerful and profound chapters on gratitude that we have in our scriptures. Okay? I hope that's encouragement to you. It's one to tuck away and to come back to. Maybe some study time even this week from Psalm 92.